You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Hey Shore Church, uh, good to be here, even though I'm in my basement. Uh, a couple weeks ago I preached on uh, discipleship sermon series on witnessing and unfortunately our camera did not pick it up at all and so here I am in my office in my basement uh, with my books and all alone and re-preaching this uh, sermon on witnessing and so as you know maybe if you're new watching online uh, great to have you Uh, this is on discipleship and so we've got about a nine to ten week Uh, discipleship series that we're walking through we started with kind of christ-centered life assurance of salvation attributes of god the bible prayer spirit-filled life fellowship and now here we are on witnessing one of those things that we start with god and really understand who he is first and foremost and then as we move through the process of understanding who he is which is going to take an eternity uh, then we get to understanding the role that we have as followers of Jesus Christ and and that is the biggest biggest one we have is the call to witness to to be about sharing his his story um, sharing his story with others with with our friends and and family and our neighbors and so um, this is a big challenge it's a big challenge for each one of us and and I started with um, a question and, and a question that um, uh, a man named uh, William Arnett, a Scottish pastor, and he asked this question. He asked it goes it goes like this: the simple fact that a Christian is on earth and not in heaven is proof that there is something for him here to do, and if he is not doing it, the neglect shows either that he is not yet a Christian or that he is a Christian who grieves Christ. See. This, this, he asked, like, why are we not in heaven yet? And this is his answer. That we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are to share about who he is and what he has done for us. And you can actually have a follow-up question. That follow-up question can be, what can you do here that you cannot do in heaven? And the only thing is to share about Jesus. Because when we're in heaven, we see him face to face. We're with him, socializing with him, hanging out with him, doing an amazing, living an amazing life with our our loving Savior. And so there's really nothing else to do but to live on purpose and on mission for making him known. That's why our mission statement here at the shore is to, we exist to make Jesus known. And so we are God's witness. And there's three things that I want to cover Um, today and that is a witness tells what he knows a witness shares what he has experienced and a witness remains loyal until the end and so in the story of God we see this from the beginning all the way through until the close of revelation in Genesis man created man was created for this very reason we were created to bear the image of God have dominion and to scatter over all of creation, multiplying God's image to every corner of the planet. 
And the cool thing is that we aren't alone as witnesses, but the very creation also is part of the important task of witnessing about the creator God. And we see this in verses like Psalm 19.1, where it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Or when Jesus was told to quiet his disciples, you remember this, we're, we're coming to that moment, uh, coming Easter, and, and quiet his disciples in Luke 19, 39 to 40, where it says, teacher, rebuke your disciples, quiet them down. And Jesus answers, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Or in Isaiah 55, 12, where it says, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Or in Psalm 97, 6, where it says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. See, I don't know if the creation will speak intelligible words one day, but like a painting proclaims the creativity of the artist, creation proclaims the majesty of the creator. See, God created all of mankind to be witnesses. The creation is doing its task. And the question comes to us, are we doing ours? So let me pray for us really quickly, and then we'll hit these three points. So Jesus, I thank you so much for the church. I thank you that you've called us to go out into all the world and be witnesses for your namesake and your glory. And so I pray that you'll empower us with your spirit, guide us, and give us the words to say to our, our friends and our neighbors that we love deeply, but yet they don't know you yet. And so help us, Lord, be faithful witnesses for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, our three points are a witness tells what he knows, a witness shares what he has experienced, and a witness remains loyal until the end. So as God's story unfolds through Genesis, we know our witness was stopped by the evil that entered into creation, known as sin. But it didn't stop God from fulfilling his plan, just like he's a perfect covenant-keeping God. It didn't stop God from fulfilling his plan to go to all the world. As the Bible story continues to unfold, we get to Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel. And here again, we see the sin of man ruling and forgetting what God has called them to. And instead of going into all the world, they hunker down and seek to build a city where man would be glorified, where their gifts would be glorified, where... Where, where their pride would elevate and not sharing with one another about God, but rather drawing together to build a kingdom for themselves. Again, God enters the picture and scatters the people by changing their language, which again is God stepping into his creation and getting his people back on track to the original plan to be fruitful and multiply and be his image in all the world. And then God empowers the family of Abraham to be the conduit of his word and witness to all other nations. He filled some to be prophets, to speak the very words of God to his chosen people, to again empower all to do the original task of image bearing. But yet again, rebellion. Not listening to the prophets, but also finding prophets that would speak to tickle the ears of those in power. And we see this in many stories of the Bible with false prophets speaking into the ears of selfish kings to bring more glory to themselves. And in our day, we see, we see corrupt pastors of false churches tickling the ears of their congregation, speaking things of the culture rather than teaching the words of God. 
So God empowers judges and kings to lead the people back to the plan he had laid out from the beginning. But rebellion against the judges and kings took place. And, and we see in the book of Judges 21-25 where it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In Judges that sought their own glory and king, kings that abused the power they were given to rule people rather than serve the people, then something amazing happened. God sent his own son to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to bring sight to the blind, to give food to the poor. Do you, do you see this, friends? God's kingdom provides healing, sustenance for life, in a way back to the purpose and plan of God, just like the Garden of Eden prior sin provided everything that man ever needed. Food, pleasure, the comfort of being in the very presence of God, and then sin entered. To be witnesses of his kingdom, not our faulty, broken, poor, and depraved kingdom filled with sickness and disease, but his filled with life and life to the fullest. Friends, this is what we are called to, to be witnesses to the kingdom of God. And what better story to tell? What better story to tell? See, our marching orders as servants and saints of God are everywhere in his word. Jesus' last instruction to his disciples before ascending to heaven in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. You know this. This is the great commission. This is the, the exact things that Jesus left us with. And, he, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is going all the way back to Genesis 1. God commanding us to be fruitful and multiply and be image bearers in all the world once again. And in Acts 1.8, we see the same thing again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of of the earth or in Mark 16 15 where it says go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the create the whole creation see we are God's witnesses this is our purpose friends to scatter into our neighborhoods to our places of work to our families and to be witnesses of Jesus by our words and our actions but some of us believe horrible horrible quotes that have hindered the call on the church like like preach the word, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard this quote before? It's horrible, right? Meaning your actions are what draw people to Christ. How many people have come to Christ based on your actions? I'm, I'm assuming less than one. See, the Bible says something completely different. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. See, witness must speak, be proclaimers, first with words and with actions. It's a both end. See, a witness tells what he knows. The word witness means to declare the truth to another person, to tell the truth and nothing less than the truth. 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, 
again, a declaring, you might proclaim the excellencies, excellencies of Jesus who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In a way, a reminder, we are a chosen people called out of darkness into light. We study this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, where it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the ones who follow Adam, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We all were there carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, showing no difference between us by way of action. But God, oh man, I love that start of verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. See, what a calling we have. So, to start off, what do you know? What do you know to tell your neighbor? Well, I want to cover six things that we know. And I know you know these things as well. If you've been around the church for a while, you know these things. And these are the things that we can tell our friends and our neighbors and tell the truth. Be witnesses. Tell the truth. Nothing but the truth. So number one, we are sinners before a holy God. We. I'm using the word we. We are sinners. It says in Romans 3, 10 and 11, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands and no one seeks for God. Or Romans 3, 23, where it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if those aren't good enough, then we can turn to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, and, and many other places in scripture. But James 2, 10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point. That means if you lied once, you've become guilty of all of it. See, no one can stand before a holy God, God, and proclaim his worthiness. We all have sinned. There's a great book on this shelf somewhere. I can't remember where it is right now. But I remember this book and it kind of ra everything wrapped up into this one sentence. And it's like, there's no way, there's no way that you can stand before the Christ on the cross and pat yourself on the back. You, you can't. You'd be so humbled by what Jesus did for you. See, we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, the perfection of God. So number two your sin requires a penalty of death. So when we get this one, you're a sinner before a holy God, your sin requires a penalty of death. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages, your wages of your sin is death. Like God has to pay you your wage. See, I'm currently reading through Deuteronomy in my reading plan. And this book is a message from Moses to the people as they are about to enter into the promised land. And it's a retelling of the story coming out of Exodus as a way of reminder to the people to be faithful. And all through it is telling of the story, you see the nation rebelling and the call to purge the evil from within. And you, you cannot have both the presence and worship of evil and the presence and holiness of God. You, you can't have both. And all through the story of God, we see judgment towards sin. 
Adam and Eve and even the serpent cursed. The word world flooded in Genesis 5. Nations destroyed because of the horrific things they were doing to their people and to the people of God. And judgment will come. Payment for our sin will come. Our sin requires a payment of death. Sinful payment of death. Third, you cannot attain salvation on your own. See, I like to ask the question, if I were to play God, and I would ask you the question, how would you enter into my heaven? Why should I allow you, a sinner, into my heaven? What would you say to God in all of his glory, in all of his, his magnificent majesty? How would you answer that question? See, sin is likened to a drowning man. Like, think of it. Plunk someone in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and tie his legs together and let him drown. And sin is likened to a drowning man trying to save himself. There's no way he can do it. There's nothing you can do on your own to save yourself. See, no matter how hard you try to earn your salvation, nothing is good enough. There's no answer that you can give that question other than Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Why should I allow you into my heaven? It's nothing that I've done. It's all that Jesus has done. See, there's nothing you can say on your own accord to gain entrance into God's presence. You need someone outside of you to atone, to appease, to pay the penalty of sin and death. And that's number four. You're a sinner. The payment of sin is death. You need someone outside of you, to, someone outside of you to atone, to appease, to pay the penalty of sin and death. And this is where Jesus steps in. He is holy without sin and sheds his blood for the penalty of our sin. Ephesians 2.13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And if we finish off Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, we need someone outside of ourselves and that someone is Jesus Christ. So fifth, Jesus pays the penalty for us. See, Adam brought the penalty of death to all of us and Jesus and Jesus offers the payment of life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 22, it says, For as a man came death by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. See, Jesus has made a way for our sins to be paid for. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Six, so lastly, what we need to do is confess and believe. To confess and believe. See Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Church, this is our witness. This is what we know. God will do the rest. We are called to be witnesses of what we know and believe to our friends, our neighbors, our family. 
In Colossians 4, 2 and 3, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So first, a witness tells what he knows. Secondly, a witness shares what he has experienced. So in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. See the hope that is in you. If you have confessed Jesus is Lord, you are saved eternally. You're saved eternally. See, what better experience to tell? What better hope than promised eternal life? See, the, pro the problem is we don't, right? The atheist Penn and Gilead of the magician duo Penn and Teller is famously, has famously said this, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And he goes on to say, I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I just straight up tackle you. And this is more important. Eternal life is more important than that. See, in the story of God, he has given us prophets and witnesses to share and warn the people. In Ezekiel chapter 3 and also in 33, it says almost exactly the same thing. Let me read for us. Ezekiel 33. If you turn in your Bibles, you can look at, you can follow along with me. It says in Ezekiel 33, starting in verse, uh, we'll start in verse 1 and read to verse 9. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's head. So you, son of man, you, Ezekiel, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. So you might push back that this was a word to God to from God to Ezekiel. And I understand that it is, right? That that, that word is actually talking to Ezekiel to be the pro prophet, to be to be the proclaimer of God's word when he speaks to Ezekiel. And so you can push back and go, "Well, that was to Ezekiel. You can't put that on me, Jer." You're right. I can't. 
God gave us 66 books, 66. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He has given us his word. And we're to proclaim this to the people and friends around us. We are called to be watchmen, to be, to be witnesses of him. See, my response is that the entire word of God has been given to us and the trumpet has blown. We are to share what we have experienced. We know we now have been given the spirit and we like the watchman in Ezekiel have no excuse because of God's word to us to go. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, it says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Or in Philemon 6, it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Or 2 Corinthians 2, 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us, through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Or even in the Old Testament, in 90, Psalm 96, 2 and 3, it says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Think the Great Commission was only from Jesus? No, it was God the Father through David. It's everywhere in Scripture. Luke 24, 47 says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. A witness tells what he knows. A witness shares what he has experienced. And thirdly, a witness, a witness remains loyal until the end. Let me close with this. In Philippians 2, 14 through 16, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. See, Paul here is giving us some practical instruction to finish well. First, he says, do not be grumblers or disputers. Live out the scripture that we have before us. That's it. Don't grumble. Don't dispute. Just live it out. Secondly, he says, be blameless and innocent. See, this world is doing its best to corrupt our minds to think good actions are evil and bad actions are good. And we are called to stand out as different compared to the world. We're called to flee sexual immorality, to treat our bodies and others as temples of God, not to exploit them or others in a sexualized way, but to live in a modesty that none might be drawn into sin, to be above reproach in what we do and say that if someone sees our actions or hears our words, they would have nothing to say against you because of your innocence. There could be no blame against you, both in the church and outside of the church. So you were called to shine as lights in the world, to hold fast to the words of God, and the scripture is what will help you remain pure. It is by his words you will shine. Not by anything you might be able to muster, but his word is our sustenance of life. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This life we have been given to live is for the glory of Jesus. We are witnesses of him. That's it.
See, I started with telling an abbreviated story of Scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Judges, kings, prophets. And Jesus and his call on our life, the church, is to go and make disciples. See, Jesus is the fulfiller of the original plan to be the perfect prophet, the perfect king, and the perfect judge to proclaim a kingdom that will be eternal, eternally proclaiming the goodness of God and eternally imaging his creative abilities, proclaiming his holiness to all. And we are to do the same. Just as the prophets were called to teach the people the words of God to go into the world, Jesus has given us his word to go into all the world and proclaim it to be faithful watchmen. See, we can either do the task we were commanded to do and image our God or neglect our purpose as servants of Jesus and serve ourselves and live in rebellion. There's really two choices. And I think we've done the latter enough. Let me read 2 Timothy 1.8 into 10. And I will close with this. So it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our God, about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Church, a witness tells what he knows. A witness shares what he has experienced. A witness remains loyal until the end. That's our call. Would you pray with me? Jesus, help us. Help us be a witness for you. A, 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 a wise, faithful watchman. Because we know the trumpet has sounded. And we are called to warn those around to all nations that we might share about you, Jesus, about your perfect life, your death that pays our penalty of sin and your resurrection, giving us freedom, giving us hope, eternal hope in you. So I pray that you will, those that are listening will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and that they will be saved. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you later.